Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Shh, while the hot dog is singing. You mean quiet while the hot dog is singing? Get ourselves a treat. Here with Jan Williams and Amy Turner. Jan, you are, along with Amy, the founder of Hope Box Theater. Jan is the founder. <laughs> and Amy was dragged. I mean, I, agreed yes, to come yes, with you. Yes, oh. Amy, basically, I coerced her to come and join me on this crazy adventure. <laughs> and she probably thought I was nuts. And she's nuts enough to join me. What is the crazy adventure? What is Hope Box Theater? Oh, my gosh. Anytime you embark upon something that you don't know what the outcome will be, you don't know if it's going to be successful, you don't know. I mean, at that time when I actually... Um, asked her to be a part of this, I was still going through chemo treatments. So I was bald from head to toe. I didn't even have my prognosis. I was still in treatments. I didn't know if I was going to be, you know, if it was gone, if it was still there. So I'm sure she was looking at me like, you are crazy. (laughs) What are you thinking about doing? And um, is that a good thing to do? But uh, yeah, so... um, but she kept having these dreams. Yeah, basically, basically, I had um, I was in my probably my last like couple rounds of chemo um, for ovarian cancer, and um, I had a group of my students that came and sang to me one night. Showstopper kids, yeah, yeah, because I have I've taught um, showstoppers, um, which is a theater program for, for younger, kids. younger yeah, people. Yep, yep, four to eighteen years old, and. Um, I had to actually quit, um, during my treatments cause I just couldn't, just couldn't do it. Right. Um, but anyways, um, I was at a really kind of a low, low part of the treatments where your body like kind of shuts down and you're just, you know, pretty down and out. And, uh, yeah, they showed up on my doorstep, um, saying to me, uh, seasons of love from rent, um, for good from, from wicked. Yeah. Um, I mean, all those songs that, I mean, I was, I, I can't explain it. I always try to explain it, but I can't explain the feeling that I had when I opened up that door and saw those students out there and then heard their voices. I, it, it shocked me so much. I literally shut the door. Yeah. I, I shut the door because I was just like, I just couldn't believe that they were there. And, I, and it, it just overwhelmed me so much. And then I had to come like open back the door and go back, you know, outside. Well, and she was super frail and had her head wrapped on yeah. and bald. Yeah. And, this and, is the lowest yeah. where you were yeah. In, yeah. The, in the journey. Lot, wow. Yeah. Pretty low. Yeah. yeah. Um, needed, Needed to pick me up. Let's put it that way. And they came, they came through. As matter of fact, at that point, I believe um, I actually couldn't have treatment because my blood count blood count was so low and everything. Right. And so I was feeling really, you know, I mean, thinking I'm not on schedule. I'm never going to get done with this. I'm, you know, all the, all that um, had to come to Jesus talk. Whereas basically, you know, if you die, you know, that's what you, what's going to happen um, type of thing. And so it was really one of those moments in my life that um, literally was life changing. Um. Uh, I, I can't explain it more than that because it literally touched my soul. Um, and, and that's what brought her hope. That's yeah. That's what brought me hope. And um, that night I could not sleep. I was, I, cause I was so overwhelmed by the love and the outpouring of love and just how it made me feel that it's like, I couldn't sleep. And these thoughts just kept coming to my head over and over and over. And it was hope. And it was like, how, what can I do? How can, how can I bring this to other people? How can I let them feel what I feel and, 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 and pay back and all that stuff. And I remembered, I was thinking about hope and how you basically just hold it onto a thread. And then I remembered a box theater, you know, theater in the box. And it was like hope box, hope box, hope box, 
oh my gosh, I'm going to start a theater. <laughs> just like, like that. Just like that. Like, oh my gosh, I'm starting a theater. Call me that. Yeah. That and I, I mean, I heard him grab my notebook sure, and I was like writing, I was scribbling and I was like scribbling exactly, you know, kind of what I was thinking, how, how I would, how, how I would run it and, and all this stuff. And, and after I got done, I was like looking at it and just thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, how am I, how am I going to do this? And so, um, I started with just, um, asking some women to come over and I shared my, vision. shared my vision shared my vision. And then it was like, um, and Amy was one of them. And, you know, Amy, as I was, as we were leaving, she said, Jan, you know, basically wherever you go, I go. Right. Well, because I mean, I've never been through cancer, but I suffer with depression and anxiety and mental illness. And so, um, I had taught with her for years before her ovarian cancer with showstoppers. And that is what saved me. And that's what got me out of bed was teaching those kids. And so when she was going through all of that, I said, wherever you go, I'll go because it has saved my life. I haven't been through cancer, but it has gotten me out of bed and given me purpose and hope as well. Otherwise, I would have gone loony bins, you know? Yeah, right, right. So when she said that, I mean, all the other women were like, well, help where we can. Yeah, I just, like, I don't, yeah, it was just like, you know, and Amy was just like, she just stopped it. I remember she stopped me in my foyer. I waited until everybody yep. left. Yep, and she stopped me in foyer and she said, I'm in. Uh, wherever you go, whatever you do, I'm in. And she was literally the first person that was in. Well, we started looking for buildings. Yeah, and and then and then I remembered, I recalled, um, some, uh, one of my students, I remember, um, right when I had to leave showstoppers, I remember, uh, one of my students, um, parents came to me and said, Hey, if, and when you ever, you know, come back or whatever, my husband's always wanted to do a theater, like build a theater or whatever. And I remembered it just, like came to my brain and I was like, I've got to call this guy. Mm-hmm. And and I didn't. I, I was said to you way before you had thought about doing this. That was that was once I once I decided that I was okay. going to do it. Yeah, okay. it's like that. Just that recollection came to me, like, oh my heck! And so it was one of those moments where I said, okay, we. I found a building. This and the, the story about this building is incredible because a year before that, I actually looked at it, and then I got cancer, and I was like, well, it's going to be gone. I mean, it was a year, you know, yeah. a year ago, and I called my realtor and, and went out and. They, they said that it was still available. I'm like, are you kidding yeah. me? So I went, I went and, and the moment I walked inside, I'm like, this is the place. I know it's not right. Like it's not designed right, but this is the place. It just felt, I felt it. And so I called this guy up and this is Curtis Dalton. And, oh, I love Curtis. Yep. And I called Curtis up and I said, hey, I, you know, your wife told me this a long time ago. And he's all... Yeah, you know, like, you know, I mean, I think he was kind of confused. And um, I was like, well, you meet me at this building. And um, he did. And we kind of were walking through it. And, and he was, you know, I think he kind of was getting the vision and kind of getting excited as well. And, but I have to say, I mean, he's looking at me. I'm wearing a bandana. I'm bald. I'm still, I'm still like, I'm like, well, I gotta go to chemo on Friday. And you know what I mean? And, um, I'm, you know, I could see that, that, um, that look it was like, Are you I sure? want to, but, and, and, and one time we were sitting in my office and, um, he looked at me and he's like, uh, Jana, I, 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 I don't know how to say this. And I'm like, right, you're going to ask me, what if I die? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I just didn't know how, you know, I'm like, if I die, I die. I mean, you can walk out of my office right now, get hit by a truck and, and die. And, you know, we don't know when we're going to die, 
So let's go ahead and do this. Well, that's what she said to me. What am I waiting for? Yeah. Mm. What am I waiting for? Well, I mean, might as well just go do it. third cancer. What am I waiting for? A fourth cancer? <laughs> well, that was third. But, yeah. yeah. That was the third one, but you know then I mean? ended up having yeah. fourth. She's but. like, why am I, what, what am I waiting for? Let's just do this now. Yeah. I mean, the, the clock is ticking. The time is ticking. I mean, what, what do I have to lose? Yeah. What do I have to lose? Nothing. And in the meantime, um, yeah, he just jumped aboard. And honestly, what a blessing. How like, long ago did you start It was 2014. When we started talking. Yep, and we started show stoppers again. Jan and I even, like, with our feet, drew out the outline of the stage, how we oh, wanted it oh, yeah, to be. Yeah, literally with our feet. Um, so and we told her, yeah. yep, we, just, yeah. we taped it for him and said, this is where we want the stage. And yeah. he did everything. But we started show stoppers in 2014 and yeah. brought the kids back. And then whole had them in February of 2015. And they I, were the first show here with yeah. Showstoppers. I love when you walk in Hope Box Theater here in the lobby, you see the Wall of Hope. Yeah. And you see the, the plaques yeah. of the recipients. How many there are, yeah. And it's not just them. Yeah. But it's their families and their friends who fight oh, next yeah. to them and, and oh, with I, them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, the, the idea that theater something fun and beautiful and weird and quirky like oh, yeah. theater is yeah. brings such to use a word hope oh, absolutely you to know people who need it the most that's what i would do because i would go to treatment on fridays and so i spend all day in, at chemo and then we would go and, and see a musical that night hmm. and and, and i needed it because yeah. i mean here i am feeling like the life is getting sucked you know, literally sucked out of me, you know, the life is getting sucked out of me. And I would go and I would leave just feeling lighter, just feeling good. And, and uh, that's where we kind of, that's kind of where that all kind of came. And then just, it just all fell into place. And honestly, when I look at that wild hope, I think, uh, not just the people, not just the people that are on there, but I think about everyone that's helped me, like help them, you know, like, like, like you have no idea the amount of people she directed the first show we did here. We directed, stage managed, choreographed, costumes, costume, set, set design, design, everything. And we were in and it. And music. And music. And we were in it. Yes. And we were in it. Yes. <laughs> the whole show. Like, yeah. And, and it, it was, was it was nine to five about empowering women. And, yep. and she was just like, this is the first show I want to do. It's all about yep. women and empowering them. And, and I was like, yep, let's do this. And, and it, was, it was a success. It was the hardest thing ever. Yeah, oh, yeah. It went. And, and we were both directing our own shows with showstoppers yeah. at the same time. Oh, you know, oh yeah. Just a little yeah. show on the side. Yeah. Just, it was no an, just another little yeah. hobby. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like nothing that is worth it is, e- is easy. easy. Never is. And um, those who think it's easy... They have no idea. Yeah. But that's also what makes it so sweet. Yeah. Because I, we remember the, the, the tears, hard. the sweat, the, oh my gosh, what are we doing? This is nuts. And is this ever going to happen? I mean, but yeah. we didn't have electricity. There was, there was a time that we didn't have electricity. We, we were rehearsing. We were rehearsing with floodlights. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, and, and, and small little heaters, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's why it's so incredible. It's like, it's not just that we have affected these people that have, that have dealt with what I know, um, firsthand how it feels and their families and their community, because we know it affects more than just them. We, I mean, it affects, it affects the whole family and their friends and neighbors. And that's why we have, that's why we want them to come on closing night. We want to have them all come so they can experience it together, you know, a night out together. Yeah. Um, and not just that, you know, just the one person. Yep. Um, 
but it's, but it's hundreds, it's, of hundreds of volunteers, and it's the people who volunteer their time to be in the shows. I mean, yeah, this we, is a nonprofit. Yes, non, yes, it's all volunteer, and and none of that. I mean, we we attract great, great talent, like. I mean, for a small, little, tiny theater, the amount of talent that we have attracted is incredible. Well, not only that, but the amount of the generosity yeah. of the people that we bring in yeah. is, uh, it's unbelievable how much people give back. Yeah. yeah. I was talking to Paul Nilsson, oh, yeah. who plays uh, Abernathy, yes. Arvid Abernathy, mm-hmm. and he said, there is Broadway talent oh, in yeah, this show. Sure. Oh, for free! It, exactly, eighteen bucks a ticket. You right. got Broadway, and yes. that money goes to for our show, Margot Flint. Yes, but every show gets a recipient. Every show. Yeah. I mean, even our youth program, even our junior showstoppers now, even our senior showstoppers, they, they pick someone too. Oh yeah. So it's, oh, I didn't realize. Yes. That. So even our academy, the seniors have done it since we started. Since we started, and Very last first show. year was the first time we started with the juniors. They got to pick somebody for their trek. Wow. And it's it's like it. it so as a young age, too. at a young age, they're that's their way that to be able to do something that, I mean, and some of those kids are doing my little ones. I teach seven to twelve or thirteen year olds, and mm-hmm. they're doing lemonade stands to raise money for their oh. You and they're bringing in their it's incredible. money and yeah, and making little gifts and yeah. and, and and you know it's it's just amazing. Yeah. So well, thank you so much for talking to me. I pulled you aside the other night and thanked you for doing this. Yeah, I did so not sweet. realize your role. Yeah, she's been here. So I owe you a thank you as well because I've been out of theater for I'm 34. I've been out of theater 16 years. Wow. And, uh, and you're amazing. It's a good brought thing. Back too. It's a good I thing that you got came back. But and it's I always wanted to get back into it. Same. But when I heard about the mission of Hope Box, yeah. I was like, well, that's well, and that's, that's why. That's I why. I told Jan yeah, I'd why. give her a year of my time. <laughs> <laughs> you're good. Still here. She's a great negotiator, that Jan. I'm still Thank here. you so much. Appreciate Yo, thanks it. for Thank thanks for all of us here with the star of the Valentine cast. Um, when it comes when it comes to mission dolls. Yes. Mission dolls. Samantha Worston. Welcome to the movie zone. <laughs> Thanks. I'm excited. I'm excited to have you on. So who where are you from? Um I grew up in Centerville, Utah. Live in I live in Leighton. Do you like Leighton or Centerville better? I like them both. No, there's a good, there's a right answer. <laughs> I love Layton. There it is. There we That's go. That's the one. Uh, who are you playing? What role are you doing? What do you like about it? Okay, I play Sarah Brown, and I really like that she has this huge character arch. She, um, and I mean, her love interest, the same thing. They find like this nice common ground by the end of the show, and I think that that's really always fun to play someone. With two sides, right? What what part of your own life do you see paralleled in Sarah Brown? <laughs> oh, that's a dangerous question. Yeah. <laughs> Again, um, there's only right and wrong answers, I, so yeah. choose wisely. Um, well, I mean, I grew up very religious, um, and I feel like I'm a very like I feel like I'm a spiritual person, but I don't have the same. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm. I've grown to be more loving and kind and accepting. And so has she. So there's a nice. There's a good political answer. There's a nice similarity (laughs) right there. I didn't mean for that to get too deep, but man, here we go. Sorry. Testimony time. (laughs) Uh, What, 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 have you done guys and dolls before? 
In junior high school. Okay, who'd you I, play then? I was a hot box girl. All right. Yeah. Does part of you wish Sarah was part of the hot box troupe? Oh, yeah. Every <laughs> single night when I watch, I'm like, oh, so fun. I wish Nathan was part of the hot box troupe. I don't think anybody in the cast would not want to be part of it. I mean, it's. Oh, I thought you were going to say would not want Nathan no. to be well, part yeah, of that, it. No, well, yeah, that too. <laughs> No, we so all like want like, to be a hot box It's not a compliment. It's just about you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, what does Hope Box Theater mean to you? Why Why do you like to perform at this place? Um, well, this is my first show at the Hope Box. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And I just think it's so awesome what they're doing to um, help people with cancer. My dad had cancer a few years ago. And so I feel like this just really hits home for me and it's just such a great cause and really brings um, people together, cast, audience, everybody for a good, good cause and to just do some selfless love. And yeah, it's really cool. Awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. Here with Shane Larson, you play big Julie. Who's big Julie? Big Julie's a mobster from Chicago that comes in to fleece Nathan Detroit. And how does it go? Some up, some down. Uh, I, I, the plan was moving along. Me and Harry the horse had it under control. And then this guy named Sky came along and screwed it all up. I thought, <laughs> then we had to go to like some mission with some dolls. I, I don't get the whole thing. It's unbelievable. Where are you from, Shane? I'm from here in Utah originally. What's your backstory? I know the answers to these. Yeah. Uh, my backstory is I'm a disabled vet. Uh, grew up here, moved to California, joined the military young. Uh, got an art degree, got out for a while, went back in after 9-11, did all the Afghanistan stuff. I outward NATO for the SEGDEF, done a few interesting things. And then I was sitting at home spinning, and a friend of mine's daughter was in The Last Guys and Dolls at the Zigfield that Carol did. And I went and saw it. It was the first show I'd seen. And they inspired me to get out of my house because I was spending way too much time as a disabled, disgruntled vet just sitting at home uh, to try out for a simple part. I went for the cop. I wanted to go for the cop in Footloose. I ended up playing Coach Dunbar, which is way more than I bargained for. Uh, And been kind of following Carol Madsen around for a lot of projects, tried some stuff over OPA and other things. And mostly to get out of the house. I like uh, part of the reason I do the Hope Box is that – they donate in a time of need a family that's going through cancer. Uh, so that's a big part of my time. I like music and I like the acting enough, but it's not, I don't have the bug that most do, but I found that if I spend too many months at home working on the house by myself, I'd become a very disgruntled vet. <laughs> so, so acting shows is an outlet of sorts for your absolute, absolutely. PTSD that when you say spinning, yeah, yeah. Is that I, I have about? PTSD. I, I, I'm technically on pills for depression. <laughs> hey, who ain't? Uh, no. Right? Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, nowadays, you, nowadays, nowadays, it might be a little more legitimate. Than yeah. This. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, a lot of what gets me, uh, well, and it's twofold. So you have like, you know, depression, anger, all those kind of things. But they're magnified because I have a lot of joint and a lot of nerve pain. So... Uh, if you were to take a hot curling iron and shove it under your back blade of your shoulder, that feel like what I usually feel. I get, I've got a little used to it, but uh, at times are chained in Utah. We might have some uh, official pain relief, but the <laughs> VA doesn't recognize any of those things. Uh, oh, so 
you combine the two. You wake up and you're when you wake up in pain or you have a migraine or something like that, and then you have those other issues too, if you spend a lot of time just on your own, uh, I think it gets magnified. You spend time in your head and then you go on Facebook and brah, Trump or Pelosi or brah, you know, everybody's harumph. Yeah, everybody is like we're so right now I've never seen our society so wound up with so little to say to each other, mm. no discussion or anything. And it's easy to get pulled into that, especially as a veteran. You know, I, I have my beliefs on everything from Afghanistan to everything else. I think I have a vested interest in politics because I helped fight for it. Right. But if you spend too much time on all that kind of stuff, I think you miss some of the things that are important. I'm not always good at the touchy-feely or the important stuff, but I know enough to know that – this is an outlet that helps other people while helping myself. And that's about all I can do. How important is that uh, mission to you for other vets to find outlets to help? Oh, them? very, very. Uh, so I'm trying. I've already met the Lieutenant Governor Cox. Um, Thanks to uh, a friend of mine, Justin Lee, who works for him. Our fight coordinator for the show. Yeah. Yeah. Fight coordinator for the show. Um, and he put me in touch with people and we're working on it. What I'm trying to do is get a program together for the, those that are mostly disabled to the point where the normal VA education system isn't going to work. Because that's very blue collar and it has a purpose and it's really good at its purpose. But those like me that are um, either unemployable or broke or 100% or fully disabled, you know, we don't go work. We, I can't work for anybody legitly because, you know, five hours, I might have a migraine. But for here, I can suck it up for two hours, a mm -hmm. couple of nights a week and help somebody. Mm -hmm. uh, so what I was thinking is the way to maybe help against veteran suicide is to get someone's mind engaged and get it engaged in the community. Not everybody's going to have an interest in music like I do. So I thought college would be a great way to go. Originally, I was thinking grades and all this stuff, and, and I talked to uh, the military aide for the governor, uh, and they had some ideas. And I think the current way that they're trying to push is, like, if you audit class, mm -hmm. and we're trying to get that tied into some schools and get some schools oh, to great. try it. Uh, and then we just got to get the veterans to also try it. Give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. 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 Getting get them first out of the house is the hardest. I, I'd say keeping them involved is also important. Occasionally, even me – kind of like, well, why am I doing this crap, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Uh, but, but that initial jump into it. Yeah, that's the hardest. Why Why should I do that? Or why should I, why, why you know, I can just sit here and, or whatever, right? And so I think that initial gap has to be something that interests them, whether it's psychology, under what, I don't care. Yeah. As long as it gets them out of the house. But the old VA system, it, it's to get people employable. If you're not employable, it doesn't fit you. And maybe those classes are what interests you. Yeah. Maybe you want a poli sci, right? Maybe your interest is politics or, or an art degree or an art like degree yourself. or yeah. theater. Maybe yeah, a right. we Weber. Right? Yeah. Now that I've been doing this for two years, well, maybe I should go and actually learn me some education. <laughs> at something but it like sounds that, to right? me like you feel actively engaged in a cause you're passionate about. Yeah, I try, to, I'm trying to be actively engaged in it. Well, and I mean for <laughs> other bets. Yes, it's, yes. That's the key to uh, and it sounds so uh, naive to use the word uh, normal, but to fill a, a, a qualm of normalness and normalcy back in your life yes. that you lost. 
by serving the the country and the rights of freedom everywhere. Yes, yeah. unfortunately, the army had its pros and cons. My body being <laughs> the cost, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Con, yeah. Well, um, I wouldn't give up some of the things I've seen or done. I mean, it made me who I am today. I wouldn't be as vested in this currently if it hadn't been for that. So I try not to. Uh, sometimes people have look at me like I'm something that needs to be fixed. And I hate that. I absolutely hate that. I earn what I have. What I would prefer is someone that could maybe improve their life back towards a little bit of normalcy um, or at least survive. I mean, I think a lot of veterans have a lot of struggles that people just will never get. Or, I mean, I guess the closest thing would be like retired cops if they'd seen too much action or physically. Um, But, you know, if you can't go get some pain help or you can't go get something else and then you're just sitting at home watching the news and everything's wrong with the world today, right? Yeah. 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 And I want to stop seeing veterans either hurt themselves or hurt others. Because that really gets me upset. Yeah. And I also just lost a cousin of mine to suicide. So I have a very, very vested interest in wow. all of this. I, I used to have a plan. I've come as close as I had really? a full plan. Yeah. I made a bargain with myself that uh, as long as my parents are alive, I can never do that to them. I do think people should be somewhat in charge of what destiny they can. But suicide affects other people so immensely yeah. that I think it's kind of selfish for someone to do that if they have close family mm-hmm. and I could never do that. My mom and dad and they're alive. So, mm-hmm. well, uh, thank you for sharing. Uh, I, I, I think you got me to share more than I usually have <laughs> ever intend. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty good at my job, I suppose, but yeah. uh, I think what stood out most from this to me was you talking about uh, the idea that a veteran doesn't want to feel like something that needs to be fixed. No one, no one, veteran or not, wants to feel like a project. Oh, no, we don't. <laughs> and I think there's this stigma with uh, PTSD, with uh, physical uh, ailments, with, with veterans, that people are kind of tiptoe around it and don't bring it up and don't address it. And that's when it gets slippery. That's when it gets dangerous. I think it's important to talk about it and be upfront about it. And I'm impressed that you found an outlet in theater. Well, thanks. And it's great that it's a theater that gives back to the community. It's not just, I mean, yeah, we're goofing around and having fun. Yeah. But we're busting our tails for Margo. Yes. Yes, we are. And the next show will be for someone else in the community. Which means you should come out and see the show. <laughs> Absolutely. Come see Shane. Play Big Julie. And uh, if uh, if there's a veteran hearing this. Uh, we have a military discount here, too. Yeah, absolutely. So, so make sure you come out here in Kaysville. Thank you, Shane. You're Appreciate welcome. it. Thanks for everything. All right. Uh, Austin here with Austin, <laughs> <laughs> which is weird because the other night at IHOP, someone's like, hey, Austin. So I turned and looked at him. They're like, oh, no, sorry. Hey, Nathan. And I turned again and looked at him. I was like, still me. <laughs> and then they so they were asking for you. And then Nathan, who's also in the cast, and I felt really left out. It's like, you used both my names and you still don't want my attention. <laughs> uh, how many shows have you done at Hope Box? Uh, this is my first. Oh, I knew that. Yeah, yeah. we talked about that. <laughs> had you ever seen a show here before? I had seen one show. What was that? Uh, the, the show Adam Sandler. What's the uh, oh, wedding singer? <laughs> there we go. That's the one. The Adam Sandler musical. <laughs> uh, how long have you been acting? Uh, since I was about 16. 
Okay. So, so you've been in a lot of shows. Yeah. And you have a background in improv. I do. As well as lighting and, and tech. What is it that you love so much about theater? Uh, there's just a magic to the art form that makes it uh, easy to do and satisfying at the end, I guess. Um, it's it, it comes naturally, I guess. But lighting for me, especially, because that's, that's kind of my main thing is lighting. And um, it's, I don't know, it's just a really easy way for me to express creativity yeah so what do you like about the mission of hope box um so this is the first time doing a show here and um it's a lot different than most theaters because a lot of the time you're focused more on just putting on a great show which we still are but we're putting on a great show for a cause and um i don't know i think it's motivated me even more to have high energy and to, to really give our audience what they want to see because um, I know that it's going to benefit somebody else and it's not just for my pride, I guess. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, not to just brag to friends and family. Yeah, exactly. But you, you mentioned that energy. You play a character that is vital and the <laughs> energy that comes with that character without it, the show falls flat. Who do you play and how many times have you played? So I play Benny South Street um, and I've played – this is my third time playing Benny. So. What, but like ninth time in Guys and Dolls altogether. Like <laughs> it's my, my fourth time doing <laughs> things concerning Guys and Dolls, but it's the third time doing the show as a whole. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you like so, about Benny? Um, he's just – Kind of like a sarcastic uh, sidekick. I don't know. There's something about him that just lends it to who I am as a person, I guess. Uh-huh. He's, he's like the straight man that is always there for uh, for Nathan and um, and then occasionally has a little jab joke on the side. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, a word that comes to mind with Benny is both loyal and sneaky. Yes. Yeah. And uh, if, I, if I do say so, I think Benny... So there's there's two there's two three lines in this cast. There's the gamblers, the mission people, and the hotbox right. dancers. And I think Benny is the lifeblood of the gamblers. Really? Yes, well, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. That's good to know. Nathan I... might be the facilitator or whatever, uh-huh. but Benny's the energy. Benny's the heartbeat of it. That, all. That's fair. I, yeah, he definitely is kind of the energy that that keeps everything rolling. Nathan is is. He's there and, and he's he's a staple, but yeah, Benny Benny kind of has to carry Nathan along through a lot of stuff. It's almost like Nathan just forgets about things, and Benny's got to like, hey, hey, yeah, I'm here, and I, I'm gonna keep you in line. <laughs> There's the action. <laughs> uh, come see Austin Stevenson play Benny South Street in Guys and Dolls. You're here every every night, every single night. Yep, check it out, HopeBoxTheater.com. Thanks, man. Here with Luke Howder. That, that is the correct correct pronunciation. Which I would never have known had I not heard you say it a hundred times already. So. I say my own name every time I walk into any room. I walk <laughs> in and I say, it's me, Luke Howitter. Uh, <laughs> I say that a million times and they still misspelled it on the program. Did they really? Yes. If you look in the program, I am Luke Houtner. Ah, with an N. With an N. I don't know where they got the N from, but they, they found it. And boy, they find things. Well, when you walk in the room and announce your arrival, it really hurts the element of surprise. So. Well, in a way, some people say it's the most surprising. Okay. Well, sh- shocking is the word I'd use. Uh, disturbing. Sure. I go for the shock factor entirely. <laughs> I do not care to be seen. Uh I had the pleasure of being on your podcast recently. Why don't you plug that here for a quick second? Yes. I, I, I host a podcast called Underqualified Idiocracy. It is a uh, comedy podcast. It's a sort of a parody of talk shows. 
And I think it's really funny. And a couple other people agree. <laughs> Absolutely. It's really funny. You've got a Patreon page. I do have a Patreon page. That's just my name. So it's patreon.com slash Luke Howiter. And there's lots of bonus content. We actually do our own version of a movie podcast on there. Not, to, not to rival yours. I mean, it wouldn't rival ours. But it's I mean, <laughs> I have no threat. No threat to you. No, of course, I think you guys probably take it a little more seriously than we do. But we're comedy based in everything we do. So we basically just pick movies and laugh at them. The last movie we did was uh, Jingle All the Way starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, uh, one of his better works. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he plays an ordinary guy. <laughs> I'm an ordinary guy in Milwaukee. Yeah. If there ever were a good casting for an ordinary guy, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, All right. Who do you play in the show and how did you get involved? Right. uh, So I play Society Max in the show. I'm one of the gamblers. I'm I'm sort of – I hang around. uh, (laughs) Getting involved, I – I heard about the Hope Box a few months ago. I'm kind of new to the Utah theater scene, but I did a show called Much Do About Nothing which uh, some people saw and liked. Other people saw and uh, didn't comment. But (laughs) I had a grand old time, and there were several people in that show that were talking about the Hope Box. And as soon as I found out about their mission in supporting those battling cancer, I told myself, like, I have to find a show to do there. And Guys and Dolls sort of was just the first show I came across that I felt comfortable auditioning for. I, I can sing. I can I can act. I don't think I can dance very well. And doing all three at the same time is almost always a disaster for me. (laughs) So I had to find a show that I was very, very comfortable committing to where I'm like, I think I understand this and I think I can execute what the director wants. And I was really lucky that Guys and Dolls seemed like one that fit really well. And I was just super excited to be able to do something so fun that also gives back so much. Well, you and and several of the other gamblers and the – Mission doll or mission dolls, mission uh, people, missionaries. That's the word for it. And hot box dolls. You may not be the the leads of the show, but in every single scene, there's at least three of you that are stealing the show. <laughs> and it, it makes the show. It's why you. It's it. Yeah, you need to come see the show to support Margot. But the yes. actors and actresses that you need to see first next are the gamblers, the hot box girls. And the missionaries, because it's so fun to watch you guys de- uh, develop your characters. Sure, it's great to let my ego be validated in such a way. <laughs> where every scene I'm in, I go, please, please look at me. I want your attention so much. And for Austin to say that that's acting, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Luke. Appreciate Thank it. You. Uh, give me Give me a mic check. There's nothing. Okay, I think the mic works. Yeah. All right. Whoa. Who are you? <laughs> yeah, what, I don't think I can what's, do this. Is, what's your name? My name's Mish Roundy. That's his real name. Mish rhymes with Capiche. Uh huh. And uh, who do you play? Nicely, nicely Johnson. You are the best. The first. The first. The first. I don't know how there could be any other. The first and the last. Yeah. Uh, and uh, have you ever played this role before? Never played this role before, but always wanted to. My Why? sister. Why is that? My sister was um, Adelaide. So my sister's 10 years older than me. And when she was in high school, she played Adelaide. And me and my mom went and saw the show every single night. Mm. And I always wanted to play nicely, nicely. So it's always something that I've been kind of keeping my eye out wanting to do. You ought to reach out to whoever played nicely, nicely in that production and tell them. I would you inspired have no me. idea. I'll ask my sister. <laughs> she would know. She's coming. Yeah. She, would, she maybe wouldn't. I don't know. Really? Yeah. Okay. Wow. 
I mean, she was a star. She, well, she, she, she just hooks up with Nathan, you know. With you. Where are you? Well, not you. No, not with me. With your now, easy now. The character that I portray on half the nights here at Old Box. Why, where are you from? Salt Lake City, downtown. Right downtown. Ninth uh, and ninth. How long have you been acting? 2016. Which blows my freaking mind. Because well, you're so... Act every day. Everyone. You are so, so good. You're, you're really, oh really... Effort, and listen, to the to the listener, Mish will not, because he's humble, he will not admit this, but every single person, if we had a survivor-type vote behind closed doors... You know I'm obsessed with Survivor. No, I didn't. You can't play this game with it because I love Survivor. If well, we Survivor, if we, gonna get really if we had one by game. one secretly come into a room and written down the name of our favorite person in the cast, 100% of them would put your name. Absolutely true. Farce. Uh, no, Every single person loves you, and you know it, and that's good. You deserve it. Why? Why hope box though? Oh, oh! There's eight reasons. Eight. Well, well so many. Give, give us, give us. Obviously, half. <laughs> obviously, one of the great reasons is you do it for somebody else, which is really, really cool. And it sounds lame, especially in something as selfish as you know, getting on stage and acting for yourself. But it really is this, the moments when you're like, "Why am I doing this? This is kind of annoying." Especially because you, we do this for free and we do it for fun. You're like, you know what? We're doing it for a guy in the army. Yeah, you know what I mean. You're doing it for Margo. <laughs> on top of that, I really wanted to do Guys and Dolls for a long time. And then the third thing, the very first show I ever did was that Hope Box, and I feel like they gave me a chance because I'd never done. I literally brought in an actual resume with my work history, and they're like, "Bring in a resume." I had no idea. I'd never auditioned for anything in my life. I was like gonna throw up and i feel like they really gave me a chance back in 2016 it's grown a lot since then a lot more talent i don't know there's a you lot brought of in, you brought in resumes like, I, brought I worked in at i worked in medical professionals for two years <laughs> and like a lighthouse they asked me to bring a resume and a headshot how was i supposed to know oh, anyway. man. and look at you now and here i am now and the thing is the I've star always of the wanted show to come, i am not the star of the show but, but i always are. wanted to come back here because i did have such a positive experience and it does feel like coming home like I'll come here and see shows and I'll walk in and like, there's a smell here, a good smell. There's a good smell here, but there's like a, there's like a vibe and a feeling. It feels like the, it feels blessed. Like you walk through, it's like a chapel with like the smoke and stuff. Like it feels nice. And, it, and that's probably because of its special mission. It's right. No, truly yeah. like it, it, yeah. there's something, there's a vibe here. I was and, telling my wife the other day that uh, it's all, every show I've ever been in. There's a camaraderie that's built up with the cast members and, and it's almost like a little family. But this show, more than any other, it, it is literally a family love feeling. And I think that's because we're focusing every second of our rehearsals and, and performance to something that is so vital to somebody who can't do it for themselves. Oh, yeah. I also love about this whole process. I think our director has been really great. And I don't think there's been any drama, at least not in my situation. And I think this is because we've been working. I feel like idle hands make for bad <laughs> work. And I feel like when we go to rehearsals, there's like a plan, there's work. And I think it really shows. I know we've been doing this for a long time, but at the same time, too, we haven't been doing it that long. But I feel like we're so close as a cast. It's because we've grown. To, like when you work with someone, you, tr you truly learn to love them. And I feel like we, everyone in this cast comes to work. They're not like here to like, I'm here to hang out and make friends or just do it for yeah. myself. Like we're doing it for Margo. We want to put on a good show. I love being And here. theater people tend to be dramatic. So oh, the yeah. fact that we haven't had. I mean, as far as I know, I mean, I oftentimes will be in post shows. <laughs> like a lot more happened that I was unaware of. I can be aloof. Really? I don't, I don't know of anything. Oh, I, 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 which I might mean it's you and me that they're all oh. talking about. <laughs> no, no, no. All right, man. Well, uh, oh. this was, this was free. 
Well, you forgot. And, and you can, you can, you heard this for free from Mish. And I feel like we should have charged for Mish's interview because that's what you get here on stage at Hope Box for me. What did I forget? What did I forget? I forgot we were interviewing, kind of. Oh, you did were, you? That was a good, that's good for you. Good. Like, I think you did a really good job. Made you real you comfortable, huh? And it's, it's, now that I know that we're doing it, no abnormal <laughs> things are happening. Well, we're done. So, <laughs> thank you, Mish. No, Appreciate thank you. It. That was really nice. Okay. For doing that. Anyway, happy Christmas. Paul Nielsen. Yep. How do you spell Nielsen? N-I-E-L-S-O-N. O-N. Got you. Yeah. All right. Here with Paul. Paul plays brother Arvide Abernathy. Yes. Abernathy. 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 Yeah. And uh, we had a funny thing happen the other night. My character, I, I, don't, I can't take the blame. It was my character. Called someone else by your character's name, and that was pretty funny. Yeah, that was funny. So <laughs> that was a great night. Uh, is this uh, how many shows have you done here at Hope Box? So this will, this is my fifth show. It's okay. my fourth in a row. Wow! So I did the last four shows. Is this the only place you play? No, I've done shows at the Ziegfeld Theater in Ogden, and I've also done community theater. I was also a stage manager for Much Ado About Nothing over at OPA. Oh, cool. And what is it about Hope Box that has you coming back? So the neat part about Hope Box and the thing that keeps me coming back is the aspect of this is about service. It's not about doing it because I love theater, although that's, of course, the reason that I even got started with theater. But it's a matter of serving someone else that could use some help right now in their life. And my whole life is now dedicated to mostly doing that where all I'm, all I'm here for is to serve people and help. You say your whole life is now dedicated to that. Is that, did that turn because of your attachment to theater and the whole box theater? Yes. So tell us about that. What do you mean by your whole life is dedicated to that? So an interesting story is that I woke up one Saturday morning with a migraine and my wife said, your daughter wants to go and try out for a play. And uh, I said, please just take her. I, I just want to die. Yeah. And she said, well, you can either take her or stay home with the two energetic boys <laughs> who love their dad. So I was driving her to the theater and everything. I, we got her into the whole sign up process and everything. And I thought that all they did were junior plays at this community theater. And my daughter turned to me while, she, while we were waiting for her to go in. And she said... <laughs> Dad, why don't you try out? <laughs> it looks like there's adults that are trying out because they've got numbers on them and everything. And so I said, okay. And so I walked over. Just that simple. It wasn't that simple. I had you done like, theater before? I had never done theater before. I was <laughs> I was always in the pit because I played the drum set in high school. Oh, cool. And so I always played the music part of things, and I never was really in theater, although I love to sing. I've been singing since I was probably three years old. Oh, good. Just cool. Singing, singing, singing. That's all. Just kind of on a whim. Yeah. So on a whim, very, very odd circumstance, but they made me... Daddy Warbucks in Oliver, or in Annie, I mean. Oh, cool. They made me Daddy Warbucks in Annie. Was that the Annie here at Hope Box? No, okay. that was at, at the Clearfield Community Arts Center. That was okay. four and a half years ago okay. when I started that one. And so I spent, you know, the next four months going through the whole process of theater. But because it was something that really kind of resonated with me for some reason, I really did a lot of research on it and figured out what was going on with it. And from that came a complete life change because I was just one of those people. I've always been the mediocre person that just never 
you know, puts himself out there. I just go to work and I get my job done and I do a really good job. And then I don't, I just go home and don't worry about anything. But since I got into theater, my whole life changed because I saw my daughter change. I saw my daughter, all of a sudden she was more interactive with lots of different types of people. She was also very interactive with even the kids that were in the production. Hmm. And so I, I asked her a little bit about it. She said, well, it's just I can see that even the guy that just gives you a newspaper in the show and he doesn't do he doesn't have lines. He maybe sings a little bit, but there's nothing else. His without him being in the play would mean that the play is completely different. Wow. Just the simplest person. How old play. was she when she said this? So this was when she was 15. Wow. Pretty insightful. Yeah. Wow. But see, then I thought about it and I'm like, there's got to be something here. And so I did a lot of research, personal research, and I found several psychologists, including one by the name of Izzy Kalman, who came up with a fun little bully proofing game where he teaches kids how to talk to a bully so that they, the bully doesn't take advantage of them and they end on equal playing field. Wow. And you've written a book along right. those lines. Right. And so the book is called Remember Your Role, The Cheat Code for the Bullying Game. Because when I was a kid, I used to love playing video games, but I hated when I just couldn't get past that one level because the guy was just seemingly invincible. Yeah. And so then I'd find the code that was the God mode. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd just wipe out the rest of the game. Yeah. Right? And feel better about yeah. yourself. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm like, hey, I did it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, again, the name is? Remember Your Role. The cheat code for the bullying game. And where can we find it? It's on Amazon. Okay. Right now. Yeah. And uh, is this for anybody who, it, would you direct it to only those who are, have dealt or are dealing with or have children dealing with bullying? Or is this something that everyone can benefit from? Well, see, bullying doesn't stop at the kids. That's where it starts. As a matter of fact, it starts as young as like three, four-year-olds, mm. you know, the ones that are just getting into the preschool stuff. I mean, bullying starts right there wow. and nobody really realizes what it's what it has to it. But it it goes throughout the rest of your life. And so understanding the principles behind what's going on with the bullying, which means the bully is also a victim. The bully is just trying personally. This is my personal belief is that every single person in this world is trying to do the best they can with the tools that they've been giving, given based off of their heredity, their environment, and the people that they deal with on a daily basis, right? And so we're trying to do the best that we can. But when you hear someone bullying someone else, it's because they're feeling peer pressure or they're feeling some sort of need to exact a power upon someone else. Wow. And it may be based off of something that has hurt them in the past or has hurt their family in the past. And they don't even they may not even realize that they're really bullying, but it's just one of those pieces that's part of their life. And so to help them understand it by just being cordial, being the nice guy and just letting them have their moment, all of a sudden now you're on the same playing field. So what I teach in the book is I teach people to thank the bully for their time to give them a genuine compliment and to turn it around and just say, you know what, I can see why you would feel that way. Even if it's not true for you, for him, it's real. Validates that. Yeah. So it validates their point. And then all you do is just ask them for advice. Hmm. 
So thank them for their time. Give them a genuine compliment. Tell them that you understand their side of it. And then ask them, what can I do to be better? Which gives them a role of validity yeah. in your life. And they feel like, oh, my gosh, and I mean gives, something to this person. Right. And it gives them that power that they're looking mm. for. But without you giving away power. You cheater. You're cheating. <laughs> we like it. That's it. Uh, why should people come see this, this guy, Guys and Dolls at the Hope Box? Guys and Dolls is all about And besides that. me. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, really, you're yeah. the main reason that people should come, for I'm sure. Just, yeah, go see the other cast. No, <laughs> no, the thing is, is that I'm humbled because the, the talent that is involved in this cast and in this production is top-notch. I would put it up against any production of any professional facility because really we have put so much time and dedication into it but the talent that's ingrained in everybody that's here is just so incredible it really is amazing and to see it at that level at such a small community theater is just crazy for 18 dollars, you get a ticket to come and see a production that is totally 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 worth 40, 50, 60 dollars. Yeah. I mean, I've done productions with the Ziegfeld. We've gone up to um, the Egyptian Theater up in Park City. And those tickets are 60, 70 dollars. Mm. And I would put this show up against any of those wow. because it is that good. It's a great show. And you, the entertainment that you get, the laughs that you'll get, you'll cry about a couple of things. I mean, it's just amazing the story that's being told. And then the biggest reason on top of all of that is that it helps someone who's struggling right now in their life. Absolutely. Well said. Yeah. Well, and thank you for the compliment on behalf of the cast I, around you. Yeah, I that's truly cool. believe it because I'm like amazed that I'm even part of this, really. <laughs> well, you would know. You would know. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate thank it. Here with Sean Jordan. What role do you play in the show, Sean? Uh, I'm Scranton Slim. Uh, as well as known as an ensemble cast member. You are the best Scranton Slim <laughs> that ever did Scranton Slim. I appreciate the compliment. <laughs> are you a fan of The Office? Um, yeah, I would I say so. I can't think of Scranton Slim without wondering if he would be a good uh, side character in The Office. Oh, no, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Uh, why are, what, what do you like about Hope Box Theater? Why are you interested in being an actor? Uh, well, I've been uh, pursuing my dream as an actor ever since I was very, very little. Uh, my first show that I've done in a, a stage performance was when I was at the age of six, Music Man. Hmm. Um, and I've really honestly <laughs> have just had the desire to entertain ever since I was very little. Like, I don't know, four maybe. Hmm. It seems a, very much a family affair. For your mom's in the show, your siblings are are uh, actors and, and into the. Is this something that you guys have always done as a family? Uh, yes, every once in a while. Uh, sometimes us family members would be in similar shows. I think I, me, and my father have done the most more of him during his high school years, and more of me during uh, my years. Although I wasn't in participant in. Uh, high school performances, but at the age of that, but at that age, mm -hmm. I was doing performances in musicals. Oh, okay. So you, you were acting in high school. 
Uh, yeah, at the age of high school, yes. Gotcha. Uh, what do you what What do you get out of acting? What How does it affect your personal life positively? Well, honestly, in some ways, it's a small escape. Um, it's getting me out of uh, uh, my troubles in life. Um. This is a tough question. What troubles do you have? What what, what does it help? Well, us? in my personal opinion, I'm I'm not really one to like the world. I've always been anxious about it. I would mm-hmm. say, uh, but yes, definitely, I can see that uh, entertaining uh, others is definitely a healthy way to express how. I can uh, make a small difference in the world. Yeah, You use two words that I think are brilliant, escape and express. Because, yes, acting and performing is an escape, like you said, mm-hmm. from things that might be bothering you or, or uh, hurting you. But then it's not just an escape. You then channel it into an expression for positive returns and positive outpay yeah that what what do they do here at hope box and the mission of hope box in that fashion that that has you enjoying performing in this theater so much so what's hope box goal or what's my goal i i, I guess i guess so the hope the goal of the goal of hope box okay of course to help people in the community fighting for their lives and uh, to help them financially and spiritually emotionally how does that uh, impact your performance each and every night? I would say no difference, but I do support the idea. It is definitely a good cause. Gotcha. Uh, how many shows have you been in? Do you even know? Uh, performing at Hope Box or performing altogether? Yeah. I cannot count, yeah. but I can definitely guarantee five. Okay. Gotcha. Well, Sean, thanks so much. You're doing a great job. Really enjoying yeah. your, your work in this show. I, Come see Sean play Scranton Slim, Hope Box Theater, Guys and Dolls. I do hope to pursue my acting career into filming, okay. probably as voice actor. Great. That's a good, this is the movie zone that we're on. And I don't know, I don't know anyone, but someone <laughs> listening might know someone. So Sean Jordan, he's interested. Hire him. Definitely. <laughs> be interested. Thanks, buddy. This is Charlotte Jordan. Okay. Charlotte, where are you from? I am from Caseville, Utah. Born and raised? No, I actually grew up in Arizona. When did you move to Utah? We moved to Utah in 2005. So after you'd been married, had kids, Mm -hmm. brought your family here. Yeah. Gotcha. And your family, we talked to Sean earlier, your son, but your family is all about this world. We love theater. Yes, we do. Why is that? I think it gives us the opportunity to be somebody else. And we get to, we all love singing. We all love to um act out we we love to have goofy voices sometimes we'll mute a movie put on the subtitles and pretend to be a part just for fun sometimes <laughs> oh that's awesome that's terrific yeah. lots of good memories i'm sure from that uh how many shows have you done here at hope box this is my third show what were the other two i did freaky friday and um the props for freaky friday and i did um annie as well and are you always the prop master no, I'm not. Okay. Um, with Annie, I was not. Um, in other shows, um, I've been ensemble. Sometimes I've done set design. 
Um, this is my third time doing props. How, why? What got you into doing props? And where have you learned your? Because you're amazing. At it. <laughs> oh, thank you. They're, in our first review, they they mentioned the props, which never get yeah, run. They never get mentioned, yeah. which was pretty cool. Um, I actually am just self-taught. When I was a little girl, <laughs> I used to try to create things out of other things. I guess it was just something that my mind is drawn to. Um, I actually got started because they needed a volunteer to do the props for a show. And I was part of their cast. And I said, well, I'll help. Mm -hmm. And then they said, you really should do more of this. So there you go. We're glad you did. (laughs) Tell us about, I mean, you could tell us a story about all the props, but the donuts, I think, is a really special backstory. So the donuts are related to the Salvation Army. And in our show, we have the Save a Soul mission, and they're based off of the Salvation Army. So um, we're, our show takes place in 1938, and um, it mentions serving coffee and donuts in the mission. And when I was doing research about what kind of donuts did they have in that time period, I found out that the Salvation Army were the ones that started the first National Donut Day, um, which was the first Friday in June. In 1938. So I thought that was kind of fun and decided to also put an ad for it in the mission newspaper that we have in the scene um, because that would have been something they were announcing. You know, hey, and the whole reason that they have um, National Donut Day was to honor the donut dollies. And they were the women from the Salvation Army that would go to the front of the lines in World War One, and they would make donuts for the soldiers in their helmets. They'd fry them up in their helmets. So in they, the soldiers' helmets? Mm-hmm, wow. Yeah. So they called them doughboys, and they called the girls <laughs> donut dollies. I mean, what? That's such... That's almost like a sacred event <laughs> in history because, like, some, a lot of those guys, that was the last thing they ate on Earth yeah, before they gave them. the ultimate sacrifice. And yeah. It's amazing. And every prop you see in Guys and Dolls, Charla had a hand in it, if not the full thing, done by herself. <laughs> and it's not – like you mentioned, you could have just made donuts and no one would ever even have known that, well, that's not historically accurate. That, right. that wasn't the right kind of donut, but you took such care – and time to find out what kind of donut to make the newspaper with actual stories in it that yeah. reply to the show makes a big difference. Um, why should people come see not just Guys and Dolls while we're doing this, but come to Hope Box and support? Well, Hope Box, um, as several people know, their mission is to bring hope to families battling cancer through the performing arts. And for me personally, I lost my father-in-law to cancer and also um, some other close family members and, and friends. And that's a, it's a hard thing to go to, not just for that individual, but their entire family um, and, and loss as well, just in general, is hard to deal with. And so knowing that there's something that I get to do that I enjoy, like making props or singing and performing on stage, but that is going to help somebody else as they're struggling through a major um, trial in their life, then yeah, I'm all about that for sure. And who do you play in this show? I play Agatha Abernathy. Um, I'm uh, Sarah's aunt in the show. And you have some of the funniest moments in the show. Because and it doesn't it doesn't actually have to be a line. It's not a yeah. I don't have any lines other than what the whole ensemble says. Which <laughs> right. is hallelujah. But you still get a couple of moments in the show where it's your personality, your yeah. character that you've built. Her personality gets to shine, and I'm telling you, it's every single actor in this company 
there is a reason to come to the show just for them. And you're included in that. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Well, and it's a joy to play alongside you as well. Oh, hey. <laughs> I told her to say that. Thank you, Charlotte. Appreciate it. Thanks, Austin. Name and spelling. Name and spelling. Todd Wente. T-O-D-D-W-E-N-T-E. I knew it. Okay. <laughs> Todd, Todd, you and I, we alternate nights as Nathan Detroit. We have been brothers from another mother. Yes, indeed. And the other day, someone told me, that you are better at acting than I am. I'm not sure who that person would have been. It was me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many shows have you done? Uh, I lost track at about 35. Wow. So how long have you been acting? So um, I, I acted extensively when I was uh, quite a bit younger. I was in, I, I think my first real show was when I was uh, 10, 9 or 10. Uh, and I did shows all the way through up through high school into college. And then... Uh, I took about 12 years off while my kids were very, very little. Uh, and then I came back, uh, back in 2007. And I've been pretty much in a show, uh, either in rehearsals, production, or final performance, almost nonstop ever since. And you also do Mormon Tabernacle Choir. I am the Tabernacle Choir. <laughs> you, you did musical directing for uh, It's a Wonderful Life. I've done some directing and musical directing as well. So it's I also not have just, a podcast. Yeah. Oh, what is your on. podcast? So I work with the Legendarium podcast. We uh, review fantasy and science fiction literature, movies, and uh, video games, uh, graphic novels. Ooh, yeah, we've done comic books. So not nerdy at all. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Not this kid. There's a lot of our audience would probably look that up. Legendarium? The Legendarium Podcast. Check it out. Yep. Check it out. Of course, after you've listened to the movie zone. Oh, yeah. No, first totally listen to this first. <laughs> yeah. Don't stop listening. Keep listening. Um, uh, so what advice would you give someone like me who I've not been in theater for 16 years? Okay. Now I have a one and a half year old and I'm getting back into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of opposite of how you did. You got out of it, <laughs> then back into it. Yeah. Because I kind of want my, my, we can tell my girl already is going to be a performer. Oh, yeah. Well, and I kind of want to do it look with at, her. There must be something with heredity. So, you know, that's <laughs> the way that goes. It's still a line. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know. Uh, what do you like about playing Nate in Detroit? Um, look at me say Nate. Nate. It's the way it goes. He is. He is a lad about town. He is just absolutely a delightful, fun character. He's lovable. He's a lovable scamp. Uh, and and he gets a chance to crack jokes, and I get a laugh on stage, you know, which normally is not something you get to do when you're doing a show. Um, but the other thing that I like about him, and, and maybe this is maybe this is one of those things that's too much about me as, a, as an actor or whatever, but I think there's a part of him that really is a very genuine human being that, um, and, and all of us have different parts of our personalities that we, that we sometimes bottle up and we sometimes don't get to express. And so for me, um, some of that vulnerability and some of that, you know, trying to be tough and trying to, you know, pull everything off and yet still being very, um, very vulnerable is, mm -hmm. is a great thing about Nathan that I get to do on stage and I don't have to worry about doing it at home. Uh, <laughs> I can, I can just, I can just relax and I can enjoy this. And so it, it gives me an opportunity to, to express emotions, anger and frustration and all of those kinds of things, yell at the top of my lungs and be frustrated with everybody and their dog. Um, and, and then I go home and I can just relax and be a little <laughs> bit more mellow. Why hope box? Hope box is different. Um, the idea that what we do is not just about performing for our benefit and not just about the benefit for, for the audience, but 
really about alleviating suffering. Um, I've, I've been in, I've been in some tough places myself. Uh, I've never, I, I have not battled cancer, but I've been in some, some pretty dark places where it feels like there is, there is no joy to be had. And in those kinds of times, you rely on other people to help you find joy. So the fact that we're doing that for people and for behalf of people who are suffering and fighting every minute of every day to try and, and find some joy, um, is a powerful thing. And then to think that, well, as we do that, we also find ways to help them defray some of the costs. Um, medical costs are just horrendous and they can, they can cripple families. Um, even if you survive the disease and, and that, you know, you, you, you survive and we celebrate and then you get handed a bill, right? It's um, ridiculous. It's, it's very, very painful. We and my family have been recipients of, uh, a tremendous amount of generosity. Um, and so this in some ways is me being able to pay that back. It's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. My pleasure. All right. He's Todd Wenty. He plays Nathan Detroit on the nights. You should come see the show. <laughs> and then if you have an opportunity to see it a second time, come see me. No, you should Nathan definitely Detroit. see both Nathan Detroit's. And then you should walk away and say, I'm not sure which one was better. They were both so good. <laughs> but but really, it's, it's me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Give me your name and how to spell it. Uh, my name is Danielle Tannerelli, and it is T-E-N-E-R-E-L-L-I. Danielle, what? What, how long have you been in theater? Oh, uh, since high school, in the mid-90s. And Guys and Dolls was my first show. Was it really? Yeah. What would you play? Nicely. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. That was the first time I ever acted, too. Ever? Yeah. And you yeah. got that big of a role. That's awesome. I was doing tech support. Well, I was doing tech, not tech support, tech. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I wasn't really, like... I mean, I could always sing because my mom was a singer, so I had like natural singing talent, uh -huh. but I never learned and I never really cared. I was more into like building sets and painting and things. And uh, my senior year, my teacher, uh, David Weeks, he um, he was my drama teacher my senior year. And he said, uh, everybody has to audition for the musical, including tech. And I was like, oh, wow. OK. And so I did. And I sang Mac the Knife. And uh, he was like, oh. I didn't even, you know, honestly, I didn't even think anything of it. I just thought like, oh, okay, I'm just going to go and do it and whatever. Let's get it over with. You yeah. know? And then, um, yeah. And then I did the callback thing and, and it was weird. And I remember when I first got it, I was sitting by my locker here and all of these people that were, cause I, you know, I was backstage. All these people that were doing theater were like, you're so awesome. I can't believe it. I just don't believe it. She just came out of nowhere, you know? So I've always kind of been a come out of nowhere kind of person. So, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Who doesn't want to be a come out of nowhere person? And then you you made this your profession for a long time. I Well, I did sort of. I, I did semi-pro and then I did a, a it, technically it was pro uh, regional tour. It was based on the revival version. And I was in that. And I, I made like, I mean, you don't make that much. And this was... This was 96. So I, hmm. I, I went down to CBU and then I got cast in this tour because I, I auditioned in Vegas. And uh, that was cool. And then um, they were like, well, we're not going to pay you much because, well, I'm like, well, I don't really care. And so I took, you know, the semester off. Actually, I think it was quarters back then. Yeah, <laughs> in, yeah, in probably. Yeah. And so I just did that and then uh, did the tour for three months. And, you know, the funny thing is the nicest theater we played at was the Eccles and Logan. Oh, really? Yeah. Throughout the whole tour? I think it was brand new renovated. It was so nice. Mid-90s? Yeah, probably. Yeah, was, yeah, it was 96. So yeah. it was like uh, I had my own... Um, I had it. I had a dressing room, but I shared it with like three people. But I nobody was ever in there. Yeah. And I had a shower, and that was the weirdest. Wow. Thing <laughs> All right. 
And here at Hope Box, we all just find whatever corner we can. And yeah. I don't know if there is a dressing room here, is there? <laughs> no, we just find a room and call good, uh, which is part of the charm of this place. I really, yeah, I really yeah, like yeah. that it's... Well, I like that everybody is all together and we you know, can BS to each other. Yeah. But then you also worked on movies and went to California. I did. Well, yes. So after I graduated college, so I was a theater major at Weber State, and I got kind of disillusioned with, with theater there. And there was very, it was very clicky. And if you weren't best friends with some of the teachers, you wouldn't get cast in anything, no matter how good you were. And uh, so that was my major. And then I was, uh, my minor was, my, my minor was art. And originally it was history, then it was art. And so I started doing, so I just switched my, my major and minor and uh, said, forget the theater department. And, you know, no offense to them, but I just, at the time I was like, forget it. And uh, started doing art, and I graduated in uh, 2008 with uh, an art major, um, 2D emphasis, which is painting, mm -hmm. technically, because 3D is like ceramics, you know. Yeah. So I did that, and uh, I, I was here until 2010, and I wasn't getting too far here, and I was living in Salt Lake, and things, you know, it was okay. All my friends are getting married and moving away and having kids and stuff, and I was just kind of by myself, and... A friend of mine who uh, worked on Polar Express and he worked on um, all the stuff at Image Movers. It was like the the Christmas Carol movie and Mars Needs Moms. And I guess they were working on Yellow Submarine, but it got canned. Mm. Um, he was like, I was like, how do I get out of Utah? And he goes, well, just apply to Art Center in Pasadena and see if you can get in. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. And so I applied to it and I applied to the entertainment uh, uh, section of, Pas of Art Center College of Design in Pasadena. And uh, I got I, I applied for entertainment design, which they only take 17 per semester, 17 mm. people, and I actually got it. And and then I got there and they were like, oh, it's not that hard. <laughs> we say we take 17, but, you know, mm. <laughs> it's just like, okay. So why Hope Box? Why should people come see this show? Why should they or why... Why? Why do you do Hope Box <laughs> Theater, and why should people come? Well, I was turned on to it by a friend of mine who's the choreographer, Sunny, and uh, she uh, mentioned on Facebook about Guys and Dolls, and I was like, you know what? This is my fifth time doing, or th this is my fifth time doing it. But I had done it four other times. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I I'll probably get cast in that, maybe. And I did it just for fun, and then and then I got cast. And, and who do you play? I play a General Cartwright, and you kill it. I it's so funny. It <laughs> that's is what so I, funny. That's what I hear. Yep. It, it, it is so important and such a funny, funny role that you knock out of the park. But the mission of this theater has got to be sure. something to you as well. Well, of I'm course, sure. because my, my sister has uh, ovarian cancer. She got diagnosed last year. And that was because I was living in L.A. for 10 years, almost 10 years. And one of the reasons I moved back uh, was because my sister has has cancer and she just got a divorce. And, you know, her, her daughters are doing their thing. And so I was like, I have to I have to step up. I didn't have a choice. And uh, I mean, I would have done it anyway, but I still also, you know, I had to do it. And, uh, and my mom's 75. She can't drive her everywhere, you know. And, mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of, and to be perfectly honest, I didn't know about the Hope Boxes uh, mission until after, until after I auditioned. In fact, I don't really? even know if I knew until after I got cast. That's cool. Yeah. That's so really cool. I was like, oh, and so I, I that's, found out. Especially that, with your connection with your sister there and her trial. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. It was interesting. That's a gift. And it, it's interesting because every day it seems like uh, we emphasize on, uh, well, we emphasize on Margot, obviously. She's the one who is our pick for this. Yeah, the recipient. So they pick, a, yeah. they pick a different one every show. Every show. Literally yeah. every show. Yep. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it's really cool. It's going to be interesting to meet her. 
I, Don't you think? I'm really nervous to meet Mara. <laughs> right? I feel like I, I feel like I'm her son or something. Well, it's how I long we've like been working. I just hope for that we her. like you know come through. You know, I think I think we're good. Well, I think she'll be all right. Too. Yeah. Well, thanks for talking to me, well, and thanks for being a cool member of the cast. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for saying that I'm a cool. Then I'm cool. Yep. <laughs> Checks in the mail, right? Yeah, okay. I wish. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I'm Joseph Staley, S T A H L E. I all thought this whole time when it was stall or stall A. Or... I mean, whenever I got calls from the school, it was stay hole. So. And you're like, nope, no Joseph stay hole here. Stay hole's gone. <laughs> Not today. Where are you from, Joseph? Centerville, just nearby here. Um, I moved to Virginia for about a year, but then I moved back. What'd you so, do for in Virginia? Um, my parents just kind of wanted a change in their life, so I was there and just went to school there. I lived in Virginia for a summer. Well, Bethesda, Maryland, but I worked in Virginia. So Yeah, I lived uh, right in the heart of Richmond. Gotcha. Cool. Uh, how long have you been acting? Um, well, since I was a little kid, I had like a small part in my elementary school play. Which was what? Um, Can You Dig It? It was a musical about like, it was basically Bill and Ted, an excellent adventure. And what was <laughs> your role? Um, I was leader of Mesopotamia. Wow. Yeah. That's fun. Right. And you just... Caught the bug. Yeah. Well, my family has always just loved theater, so they always would take me when I was little. Like, my earliest memory is, like, I was four, and they took me to Aida down at Tuacon. Wow. Right? And it's just, I remember the fireworks after my strongest suit, and I was hooked. <laughs> they had fireworks? Yeah, they had fireworks. On my strongest suit? Wow. That, not that that show needs more fireworks. It's right? pretty I mean, powerful it's show. flashy. But when you're outside in the desert, right. why not do it? Absolutely. Go for it. Uh, is this your first time doing Guys and Dolls? Um, no, technically I have been a stage manager for the show before. Okay. Um, it was at Farmington high school last year. I had stage managed the show and had to step in a couple of times to just kind of read lines or do the dances just to kind of fill space. So you were familiar with guys and dolls. Oh, they yeah. hadn't really been cast in it. Um, I, I had actually tried out for nicely, nicely Johnson. Uh-huh. Um, but basically my director's like, I'm sorry. I just really need you backstage helping me. You were too good at your job. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> no. And she was like, she's like, um, if we didn't need you, you probably would have been nicely. But she was like, well, I really need you backstage. Oh, man. Right. Well, that, you got, I'm sure you had a lot of fun doing that, too. Right. So tell everyone what roles you play in this. <laughs> I play three roles. Yeah. Um, I am the drunk that reverts. <laughs> I'm also in the mission. And a little thing between us, but um, I'm Charlie, the slave driver owner of the hot box. Which my character, Nathan, Detroit's fiance Adelaide works for you. Yep. And you are, uh, you're running a racket, really. I oh, think yeah, it's really. a front for the mafia. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, no. Now, you say you play three roles. I've always thought that you're drunk, then converted to he the He kind mission. of does, okay. yes. All right. Yes, but... Um, but then like, you start corrupting the other missionaries. Oh, well, like... <laughs> Well, technically, Amy's already corrupted. That's right. That's right. So, like, but we start corrupting, like, Savannah. So, it's fun, though. Whose dad is the music director. Oh, yeah. And he seems to be fine with it. So. Oh, yeah. And he's like, he's like, she's hanging out with the best crowd she can. <laughs> uh, why should people come see Guys and Dolls? It's just an amazing show, and it has such a spirit about it. And, like, everyone in the cast is amazing. Both casts are just beyond phenomenal. And it's just, it's definitely a show you don't want to miss. And what does the mission, especially uh, Margot Flint's struggle, mean to you and why you attach yourself so uh, deeply to that? Well, personally, um, I have not known anybody with cancer or anything really with that, but like... Really? That's rare. Yeah, yeah. no, I've I've just... I just have known hardship in my life too. Not as hard as cancer for sure. Like that is the hardest thing you could go through. And it's just, I want to support anybody in any way possible that I can, even if it's just me going up on stage and getting knocked out by a purse. So. And, and the other night 
you finally got to throw up in somebody's purse. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, and the lady gave me such a face of disgust. I heard, I heard, I, I heard a second hand that she was looking through her purse. Mm-hmm. You threw up in it. Of course, acting threw up. You don't I don't want people to be like, I'm not oh, going yeah, to no. that show. Uh, and she then stopped and went, Oh, great, or Oh, wonderful. Or yeah, something. she stared me dead in the eyes and went, Well, that's just great, isn't it? <laughs> and I was like. I'm sorry. And it, like I can't apologize. So I had to like kind of like play it off and be like, sorry. And that's right at the start of the show. Oh, yeah. That people have to wait long to see you lose it. Right. <laughs> so at least just come pay money to at least see me vomit. At yeah. Least. It's so. worth it. Absolutely. Oh, totally. Joseph, thanks for a few minutes. No and problem. you're you're great. You are so funny. Oh, thank you. I was telling Charlotte, I was telling everybody, every single character, whether scripted or created in this show is worth seeing just for what you guys are doing. Oh, totally. Every, one, every single person is worth just seeing for them. It's, it's true. A, it's fun. It's amazing. It's an amazing show. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate Thank it. You.